It's time for Cubicle Insanity. I've got Kim here with me, and I'm Tammy. We're back together again to talk a little about that which we love, corporate America, or really all the goings-on at our favorite organizations. Our podcast is a discussion about the real insanity from cubicles in the workplaces. Whether that workplace is small or large, whatever industry you're in, we'll talk about leadership and leaders to experiences with life in the cubicles. Let's get into our latest cubicle insanity. Let's go. Okay, Kim, we're here at the end of 2017, and there's been, oh, I suppose over the course of the last month or so, lots of articles about uh, predictions of what will happen in the workplace in 2018 and beyond. So I thought it might be uh, fun to take a look back. What was predicted for 2017? Hmm. Maybe we can grade it. Okay. Based on our experiences. Uh, and then look at some of the predictions for 2018 yeah. and beyond. Sounds good. Okay. Intriguing. So there was an article in Forbes uh, done in November of 2016 called The 10 Workplace Trends You'll See in 2017. And uh, so I thought it would be interesting to, to just run through these predictions and see All right. how true they were. Okay. Okay, number one. Companies focus, uh, so this is the prediction, so it might read future tense, but I really mean past. Companies focus on improving their candidate and employee experiences. Hmm. Heard a lot of talk about it, but didn't see it come to fruition. I'd give it mm, C minus. Oh, wow. Okay. Hard grader. You are a hard grader. I agree with you. A lot of talk. Like this was a super popular thing to mm -hmm. talk about. Um, from all kinds of perspectives, like from, uh, the, I'll call it self-service, or I think more commonly now known as direct access mm -hmm. by candidates and employees, even managers, like the talk escalated. There was a bit of a crescendo this year, I think with this talk, yeah. because we've been talking about this for, I, I mean, 10 years at least. And yeah. So I would say that I do believe a lot of technology vendors did, we did start to see some, some changes um, in that, but as far as companies and what they're doing, I'm not sure that they really nailed this one. So I, I agree. Gosh, I was actually, I was maybe... You said C minus. I was, mm -hmm. I was maybe going to go B minus, but maybe I was being too generous because it really was a lot of talk. Yeah. So, uh, the people who did all of this and it was part of their goals, should they get a merit increase? Mm, no. No. Part I, of I, their job. Yeah, I would say I. I agree. I'll. I'll definitely go C with you. I mean, I. Right. You've definitely convinced me of that, but. Yeah. Right. I think we need to see more action. Yeah, I would go higher and say, yes, they would be deserving of a merit. If you saw more articles about best in class, like, hey, wow, this company or this organization, this branch of the government did something so unique, different, out of the box, that everybody should be following this. Yeah. And but I don't recall anything throughout 2017 popping up like that. No, no. And we had a couple of job seekers on one of our podcasts talking about it. And 
they definitely said that they came across some good experiences as far as a candidate perspective, but yet there was still a lot that were not great. So we're not there. And to your point, good, not great. Yeah. So. And why should we settle for mediocrity, Kim? Right. We're not going to. Okay, so number two, the, the prediction for 2017, the blended workforce is on the rise. What's interesting about this is it goes on to say is uh, the past five years, the gig economy has become a major trend impacting the the workforce. And so this diversity and the type of employees are mm-hmm. changing. So what do you think about the blended workforce? Um, I think that has been an uptick. I think that there's... Um been some organizations that have not done that so well and they've been in the paper and the news about it uber um but we won't mention any names uber. Um, <laughs> i mean i might have seen something <laughs> um that one just comes to mind about their diversity and in um so i think some companies have done it well where i might challenge this thought is having counting the gig economy people in the diversity because like does the EEOC when they come in to look at your uh, plans do they do you count giggers right no so I you know eh, I'm gonna go with a B okay I don't know how to grade this one because I think it's very limited to certain organizations. I I don't know that it's common mainstream type of new blended workforce. Is it on the rise? I'll give the on the rise portion an A because I do think it is on the rise. I believe that so many organizations, I'm, and I'm trying to think like kind of across the board, you know, be it financial services, yeah. be it manufacturing, uh, be it government, be it universities, there's still a lot of traditional uh, setup going there. So on the rise, agree, but I I don't think it is across the board yet. I think um, given some of the scandals, I shouldn't say scandals, let me retract that, the big the um, sexual harassment of oh. so many men stepping down, resigning, being fired from their roles. I think that that will change the landscape of the C-suite, and that then I think will start driving the diversity more. Agreed. I just saw an article. I won't be able to quote it. I just saw an article. I think this week even. Um, and it was a, like, I'm going to call it CEO and, or, and president it was two men that started or were leading a company. And the article is about how they were apologizing for letting sort of the old boys club mentality yeah. and culture exist and that they did nothing to stop it. So they have owned up to it and they plan on changing it. So even in the organizations where maybe they didn't have direct impact of mm-hmm. somebody, um, you know, leaving or being asked to leave that. I, I think that just all of this coming out in the open yeah. will will change. So yeah. um, number three, annual performance reviews evolve into more continuous reviews. This one makes me smile. Why? 
because uh, again, I think this is one of the things that we've talked about uh, from an HR perspective. Yeah. Easily 10 years, right? Yeah. I'm trying to think back, like easily 10 years that it shouldn't be, because like, it started out as it shouldn't be the managers just uh, having to do all the work of the review. The employee should have to do the review. Right. Remember that? Right. And it shouldn't necessarily have to be just, you know, once a year. So then there were uh, at, at lots of organizations, they put in the quarterly reviews. Right, right. And so you had to do it. Well, then people were like, well, that just takes up too much time that I have to write a review every quarter mm-hmm. and blah, blah, blah. So that's that's why it makes me smile because it was a – so this was a prediction for 2017 that annual performance reviews evolve into more continuous reviews. Yeah. So, you know, the company that I work for will remain nameless, but we have a continuous improvement tool or a continuous review feedback system, and it's fully been implemented for two years. And, you know, you give um, positive reinforcement through, hey, you did a great job at such and such. And then you should also give constructive reinforcement by saying, you know, hey, Tammy, that was really a great presentation, but I noticed, like, in areas where you weren't real comfortable, you would start clicking your pin a lot, or, you know, you did something that maybe to distract right. who you were talking to or with, and um, so you might give them some constructive feedback, like, hey, next time, don't hold a, you know, a pen that you can click. If you need to hold something, hold, like, a paper clip in your hand, or, you know, something like that to, to help. What's been interesting is it's very sporadic. And so when you remind employees, hey, don't forget, you know, we should always be giving this feedback, you see an uptick in it. Yep. And then when you're not out there in the forefront, kind of constantly reminding people to do this. Or policing. We we have no way to track. Uh, and we can see the number of... Um, hits, if you will, okay, system-wide, but we can't tell you divisions, we can't tell you levels, whether they're positive or constructive, we can't tell any of that. We can just tell that, like today, you know, 7,000 people use the tool. Yep. Okay. I guess that tells us something. But, um, so, in, as I see our workforce becoming less experienced than what I have. <laughs> one of the old dogs. It's one of the OGs, I think, is what they yep, say. Uh-huh. Um, uh, they, you know, supposedly this is what they want, but we don't see them. I, I don't hear our newer employees talking about this so much. Like, oh, this is really great. Yeah. I love it. They're yeah. kind of afraid of it. Yeah, they're... <laughs> So I think that's interesting. So uh, what's your grade? Mm, I'd give it um, C minus. Really? I'm not passing it. This is not getting a passing grade for oh. me. Fail. Fail. Uh, and I sort of feel strongly about this, on, and I have for years on many levels, but in this prediction, it talks about Generation uh, Z and millennials and yeah. what their expectations are. They're used to that immediate feedback. Mm-hmm. And I I think that I'm struggling for my words. We really have to think in a whole entirely new way. 
it is about this continu continuous review, continuous conversation, but not writing it down in our traditional formats. Yeah. And so, I mean, can we can we text it in and it gets captured somewhere? Can we, like, yeah. it's got to be, but this, I have to log into a system and I've got to type some things in. Number one, that's why it's not getting done. That's why performance reviews have never gotten done. The fact that you have to log in somewhere, you have to write something down, you have to hold somebody accountable and you actually have to give like real feedback, good and bad. Right. And, and it's not about slamming somebody or putting somebody down right. or it's really, uh, we were talking about it. What was the word? It's not a performance evaluation. It's a performance elevation. Elevation. Yeah. And so we have to just basically, I think we have to scrap everything because we have this certain um, feeling, emotion, um, thoughts around what these performance reviews are because of the traditional ways that we've been doing it. Mm -hmm. And we've all had those bosses where they got a bad review, so they give everybody that works everybody for them a bad review because yep. that's yep. how it is. Right. And... So I think we have to completely scrap it. So this continuous review or continuous conversation, I, I give it an F. There has to be so much more done. But I think what it comes down to is, do I call it culture? Do I call it preparing our managers and our employees for a new way of thinking about this? That we put the onus on managers for a long time. Then we put the onus on employees. Because mm -hmm. I know when I... Back in the day when I did employee reviews, my manager did not type a single thing and they just would sort of agree with everything I wrote right. and they'd do nothing. Yeah. Well, I didn't really get feedback, did I? Right. So it's about having the the managers who are starting to be millennials, mm -hmm. um, but getting that a, a different thought process. And, and if it's about yeah. daily feedback, great. If it's about, but you know, we're so used to, I'm going to set my goals at the beginning of the year and I'm not going to think about them again until one month before my review right. and blah, 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 blah. So I give it enough. I think we've got so much more work to do. And I, I don't see or hear a big change. It's got to be a huge shift, I think. So do you think the change that would be required would be that we got to get people very comfortable with constructive conflict? Yeah, to I be think able to go up to somebody and complimenting, in complimenting. I mean, I think that's a little easier for people to do. Like, hey, bro, that was really cool. Or, hey, bro, <laughs> dude. <laughs> you hear that kind of? You're just like, hey, bro, I'm not a brawl. Yeah. But anyway, um, but I think that we got to get people prepared or yes. teach them how to give professional feedback mm -hmm. it, like and especially constructive conflict uh, constructive feedback yeah and because nobody likes to i think most people i should say i think are uncomfortable going up to somebody and saying you know that was an okay presentation it wasn't your best mm -hmm. next time you do one let me help you so you really you know knock it out of the park or you yeah. do awesome or whatever um i just don't think people are comfortable having those conversations do I you think that that's going to be what the biggest shift is that's needed or what do you think the biggest shift is yeah i think that's going to be one of the biggest ones and that's that starts it's one of those things that has to start at the top and we have to just be open about talking about these things we can't save it up for a review right. like it it happened today let's talk about it today right. i think the other thing along with that is um 
some people I think do find it hard to compliment others because they feel like even if it's your your manager, they feel like it makes uh, them look in comparison poor because you had this great achievement and now they're complimenting you on it. So it's back to that competition. We have to take that out. We have to get yeah. rid of that. It has to be, let's just have open dialogue, which I think it's hard, but there has to be a movement in that direction. So it's about transparency and, and just being open um, about compliments, about uh, how you could improve. And again, performance elevation. How are you going to help that person become better and do the best that they can do? The next thing is challenging them. Mm-hmm. Sure, we, I mean, I, there's always probably going to be some sort of goals, right? Yeah. It's going to happen, and that's, I think, fine. But challenge them. Um, I know that I can think back to, you know, bosses I had who challenged me, like, we've tried to do something a certain way. It's not worked. Mm-hmm. I challenge you. I dare you. Yeah. Come up with something better. What do, what do we do? And then how do we sell it? So, yeah. um, but challenge those people. I know that when I had people working for me, I, I, I would love to, you know, they'd show a little bit of interest in something or they were doing something so good, but how do we get it to the, like, how do we make it unbelievable yeah. and challenge them? And then when they would start making progress on sort of that challenge goal, wow. Yeah. They are so valuable to everybody around them because they feel like they are really contributing. Yeah. So I think it's sort of all around that. And we and we have to sort of just, I think, we have to say, okay, we're stopping annual reviews or performance reviews or whatever it's called at, at each organization. We're going to stop that and we're going to, we're just going to exist together. Yeah. So I think you kind of nailed it. Um as you were saying, I'm thinking about, so it's more coaching one another. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is, I guess, a way to say it. And yeah. when you're coaching, you're trying to engage in the feedback and the coaching to say, how are you contributing to the greater good of the yeah. team? It's not always about you, the individual. It's about contributing to the greater organization, team, uh, project, whatever it might mm-hmm. be. How do you contribute more? Yeah. And then everybody flourishes then. Yeah. So, okay. So we, we spent a lot of time on that one, yeah. but clearly I'm emotionally invested in that one. It's a, it's a, it's a sore spot for yeah. me. Um, so uh, this next is number four. So prediction for 2017, millennials meet Generation Z in the workplace. Oh boy. Obvi. Okay. A, they did. They met. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, yeah. I think it'll be interesting to see if there's a prediction around that for the for 2018 for the yeah. future. I think it it will be interesting. So, just in my household, I have a a millennial and a Generation Z. I believe based oh. on or roughly okay. Um, and just knowing they're, I mean, of course, they're two different people, but yeah, I think you know your generation plays into it a little bit. And then what am I a Gen X or something? I think yeah, and so. Three, you know, the three of us yeah. having conversations about work and whatever. Yeah. Everybody does come at it from a different angle. So yeah. I think that uh, the future um, will be very fun and interesting. Okay. So on that one, do we give it an incomplete? Oh, okay. Well, okay. Well, I mean, they did meet. Yeah, but we don't know enough to give them a grade. This is true. We'll give them 
right incomplete yeah not an incomplete like you have to take it over just keep doing good work yeah yeah <laughs> okay five augmented and virtual reality revolutionize recruiting and training f yeah that didn't happen at all move on yeah when we have something to talk about we'll come back to that one <laughs> yeah okay uh six the war for talent heats up as the employer and employee contract continues to evolve i think that's true and i think that we saw that quite a bit um if i think globally there's certain areas in the world that really have heated up for talent um which is interesting because it goes back to the candidate experience, right? The first one, yeah. Number one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, so there's the disconnect between organizations and talent and what they're going to do. I would say on that one, yeah, I would say probably a, a minus. Yeah, the war has the war on talent has heated up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I agree with everything you said. I think that. The candidate employee experience definitely have an impact on this. The war is happening. And um, I don't think it says it here in this um, article, or maybe it does right here. 76% of full-time workers are either actively looking for a job or they're open. Hmm. 76% of full-time workers. And I think that is just a product of this war. That shows us what's happening. Um, Back in the day, and I say back in the day because I – this is probably true actually even to recent yeah. times, but there, um, I'll use manufacturing as an example. There might be two manufacturing companies in the same town. And if you have a certain type of skill, you're a skilled worker and you're at company A, company B is going to pay you 50 cents an hour more. Mm-hmm. You go. Right. This is uh, this a very similar thing, but it's happening throughout Oh, the yeah. levels throughout Absolutely. departments. Um, yeah, there's an interesting uh, note in here in this article. Let me let me read what the, what it says here. Um, in the United States, and based upon numerous studies we've conducted, millennials leave after two years. Employers have recognized that there is no lifetime employment contract, and some empo- some companies have incorporated strategies. Uh, to deal with this, more like tour of duty. So this is a huge pet peeve of mine. Oh. Huge. Yes, unleash. Let's hear it. So I already went off. It's your turn. <laughs> Who in their right mind in any organization, you know, if it's not an employment contract and it's employment at will, who in that organization in their right mind thinks that in today's day, an employee is going to give them lifetime employment. Because the companies sure aren't thinking that they're going to give the employee lifetime employment like they did. I mean, you think about like our parents, right? Mm -hmm. They went to whatever occupation company that they went to, and typically they were there 30, 40 years. Right, and they got the big golden handshake at the end. Yeah, maybe a watch. Yeah, watch. You know, <laughs> you know, it's all good. But anymore, a company can come in, and any organization can say, "Hey, sorry, your services are no longer needed. We just don't have the work to support what you're doing. So yeah. we're taking a look at our bottom line. Da 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 da. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, out the door you go. Yeah. 
But yet when an employee that's been there 18 months, two years, says, I'm out of here, I'm going someplace mm -hmm. else, everybody's all in a tizzy, like, well, well I have to now go replace them. And why, why are they only short term? And da, 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 da. Yeah. Well, and we're not going to hire someone like that again. Right. And then on the receiving end, the companies who are seeing this resume come in and they're going to interview them, there are still people who look at it and go, what? They were only at their last job or two for 18 months? Right. What kind of person are they? Right. Mm -hmm. No, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. This is, and it's, I feel like it's, we have a theme going here that it all goes back to that candidate and employee experience. So the employee experience and you're fighting for talent. If you had a great employee experience and a, I hate to use the word culture, I'll generically use it here. Yeah. Then you don't have to worry about your employees leaving mm -hmm. because you are providing this another cliche, great place to work. An environment that mm -hmm. they want to be. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, uh, a on the war is definitely yeah. heating up. How yeah. it's being dealt with is a different story. How, how it's being dealt with is an F yeah. in my opinion. <laughs> yeah. Again, we, it's a uh, time for a, a big uh, shift in, yeah. in the mindset. Mm -hmm. Um, so when they're working on that performance management type of, uh, let's just shift. Yeah. Let's keep shifting everything with it. Um, seven, organizations restructure to focus on team over individual performance. I think that's true. You do? Uh, I have do. you seen this? I have. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I give it a C. I wouldn't give it like, you know, A or B. I think it's a C. I think companies are realizing, because if you think about, the generation of employees that are coming in, the millennials, mm -hmm. predominant ones right now, they like to work together as a team. Yep. Or at least sit together as a team. Yeah. They may not talk to each other verbally. They might text one another. Right. But they're more of a social, I think, generation. Yep. Um, from what I have seen, what I've read. Okay. Um, I'm not an expert in, you know, their behaviors. Let me clarify that and put a big asterisk by it. But um so I think they are focused more on teamwork. Okay. But they want to be rewarded individually and recognized individually. So okay, so when I read this organizations restructure to focus on team over individual, I I was I guess I'm I was thinking about maybe a little bit differently than than you were. So yes, I think our physical workspaces are changing mm -hmm. to accommodate this or even like the a lot more workspaces have those physical, like I'll call the little tiny the huddle room. Uh, I've heard it called, but the little tiny rooms where, oh, we can just go sit. We're working on that. We just go sit in this little room and collaborate together. Yeah. Or we have the low QBs so we can yeah. talk over the wall mm -hmm. to each other. So I think physically, yes. I think that activity-wise as well, I think that a lot of, I know companies I've worked at, I've seen a lot of people I know work at these companies where they're doing a lot more like, Oh, let's start a soccer team together, you know, um, and then all the millennials join the soccer team and go out on Wednesday nights to play soccer or whatever. Um, so I think from an activities, I do think also there is this restructure that is focusing on team and having that team environment. Mm -hmm. But as far as actually doing your work and departments, uh, doing it as a team or team goals or... Uh, I don't see that. No, because I see what I see a little bit more of is companies thinking about what problems they're trying to solve versus saying, 
I need to hire 13 accountants and I'm going to staff at 13 accountants because I have one accountant for every 400 employees or whatever yep, yep. that model used to be. Mm -hmm. I see companies now that I'm familiar with thinking, what problems are we trying to tackle and going finding the skill sets to tackle those issues? I agree with that. I still don't see that. I mean, they, they, here's what we want to do. And I think that since the recession, 2008, 2009, it's all about lean, yeah. whether you actually do lean, right. like the official air quoting yeah. here, lean, or if you just say you want to be lean. Right. I think there is always that evaluation of how do we distribute work amongst these people? How many do we need to add to this team mm -hmm. to be able to do whatever it is they need to do? I don't know that there's an emphasis. So when I read this, restructure to focus on a team over individual performance, I think for responsibilities, yes. I think for um, interacting, yes. Mm -hmm. But as far as achieving things as a team, I don't know that we're there yet. Yeah, okay. You know, I think it's still like, oh, well, Kim, you were supposed to file that report. Yeah. Not the team is responsible for right. it. So, I mean, I, so, ugh, ugh. Hmm. Uh, there de there's definitely uh, been a focus and uh, various things. So, I mean, I might, I might go B. I think I'm, there's work I'm, to do. I think I'm sticking with the C. You are? Okay. Yeah. Here, I felt like I was really bringing this thing down, but you, I gave it a little bit higher. Okay. Eight, uh, workplace wellness and well-being become critical employee benefits for attracting top talent. Hmm. See, workplace wellness and well-being. Mm, no. I don't see it. Do you? I do. I Well, okay, first of all, let me talk this through. So I think it's a hot topic, like we said before. Like, there's various hot topics that we like to talk about. I think workplace wellness or the wellness programs or I think that's I think that's hot. Like, people talk about it. It's a, what do you do? What does your company do? Oh, well. I get these prizes or I, whatever. So, I mean, I think it's a, a hot topic. Is it attracting top talent? No, I don't think so. I don't think so. I think it's one of, the, so I have seen and heard about it in two different ways. So the first way, and I mean, this might be a little bit dated, um, but I don't think so. I've, I've actually heard of it this year too with open enrollment, um, where as part of the, a wellness program at a company, um, uh, you have to go in for like a biometric screening type mm -hmm. of thing. Yeah. And if you score well, then maybe you get a discounted rate or something. But if you don't score well in certain areas, um, you know, I'm trying to think of what, what you get scored on, um, weight, your BMI, yeah. your, you know, do you have, uh, are you prone Blood to diabetes? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. All of these things. So if you don't do well in, in some area, it, then in order to get the discount, you have to now take on some additional program yeah. or something like this. Yeah. Like a smoking sensation. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. It's always a big key one. Yeah. 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 The tobacco. Yep. Yeah. So that I, I, even existing employees. So we're talking about attracting top talent. I'm going a little bit different here, but that's a bit of a downer for employees. Yeah. 
um, so it has a little bit of a negative uh, impact where um, other organizations, you know, yeah, they do have these different like little competitions, like who can do the most steps in a week or, right. or a team competition. Let's walk around the world as a team or, you know, whatever. Yeah. And people get a little bit jazzed and they like the sure. competition and it sort of brings people together. So I think there's positive and negative still happening with Malden's programs. They're definitely not attracting top talent. Is that would that be a deciding factor? I've never heard anybody go, well, I chose I was I got two offers and I chose this one because of their wellness program. Yeah, no, no, no. I've never in the candidates that I speak to and the companies that I've personally interviewed with, I wouldn't use that as a deciding factor. It's no. kinda like, well, that's nice that they have that stuff, but Yeah. Um no. I don't think it's the well I mean there are companies who just the culture is a little bit more, I think, health focused. Yeah. I'm going to make something up here. I, I, like, if you think about, uh, why can't I think of their name? Like a, some company that, you like know. Like a bicycle company. Yeah, like a bicycle company. I'm, I was going hiking. I can't think yeah. of the name of the company yeah. I'm trying to think of. But like REI? Or, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, so I think they just promote uh, yeah. outdoors and healthy activities and whatever. Yeah. It's part of their culture. Yeah. Not part of their wellness program. Yeah. So some of those, I think, like, that culture is attractive to people. Is that going to really tip the scale that much? I think if it's a hobby that you're, you know, like, if, for example, REI, if you yeah. enjoy hiking in the outdoors and knowing that that's the culture that they have, that does attract you. Um, Probably why you applied there anyway. Right. Mm -hmm. But I think if that's not something is a hobby for you or you're interested in, you might apply because you need a job, but I don't know that you're a long-term employee. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, uh Workplace wellness attracting top talent? Mm. No. No, I would give it a B. What are you grading it? I am thinking about, I mean, gosh, if there is anyone listening to this and, and wellness is the tipping point, <laughs> I would like to know that because yes, I would love to hear from you. Because I'm, I'm, I'm really going towards like F, like, what have you done with your wellness program that yeah. makes it so, so attractive? Part of it in here, though, in the in the text under it, talks mm -hmm. about, like, workplace stress. And I do see some employers starting to address that. That's why I went with a D, but I think they're a long way away from it. We've always had the EAP or whatever. True. But I think it's becoming more... Talked about. Talked about, Exactly. I might still go F. Like, okay. I honestly just, what is so, because wellness programs have been around for a while. Like, yeah. when they first came out, there was some novelty oh, yeah. and excitement to it. I don't know that they've changed that much, in all honesty. I think yeah. the only way that they've changed, and I'm I'm being a little bit flippant here, and I know that, I'm not being extremely thoughtful, but is, is around the... Uh, incentives or not incentives that you get by participating in various ways with your yeah. uh, medical or whatever. Yeah. And you do see companies cutting back on, like if they have an on-site fitness center with instructors and things like that, you see them cutting back on that staff yeah. for cost. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
So or mm. having additional costs. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Like for the employee. Mm. So I might be leaning toward the nap. Are no. you? Did I talk you into it? Maybe. I just maybe a strong D minus. Okay. I mean, I just don't see anything they've done. Like I can't. Yeah. I mean, I have worked at a variety of companies that have had wellness mm-hmm. programs. Mm-hmm. They're nice. I participate. I'm won prizes. Hey, congratulations. Thank you. Um, but I don't know that it's so stellar that it's like, oh, yeah, I can't leave this company because the yeah, wellness and, program and, and is so You really good. missed it when you left it, that company and went to another one that you really was like, gosh, I, should, I was kind of foolish for leaving because I thoroughly appreciate it. Right. That it. really added so much yeah. to my experience at that yeah. company. I'm going, I'm going F. Maybe I'm cruel. Okay, number nine. Companies get creative with their employee benefit packages and perks. Mm. So, I mean, beyond your uh, hopefully very uh, fair market uh, comparable compensation, um, things that go along with, uh, with perks. So. I, I, for this one, honestly, I gotta say F. You do. Um because what I see companies doing, and you read articles about it, yeah, is they're taking away other benefits to add in some, I'll say, new benefits. Meaning and I'm gonna make up the example. Yeah. So, you know, some companies have a four one K match. Mm-hmm. And maybe let's just say it's, you know, 4%. I see, what I see companies doing is decreasing that to 2% so that they can offer like dry cleaning pickup or lawn mowing services mm-hmm. if that's what you sign up for. Yeah. So those are kind of like new benefits that have not been offered previously. And, you know, a lot of organizations, mm-hmm. so more of the concierge type um, yeah. services than some of the traditional benefits. So uh, I don't know that they're doing anything incrementally. I see them keeping them balanced from a cost perspective. I think that's totally true. The the cost. Are they, so they get creative. So back uh, I don't know. Was it 15? I'm going to say years ago, roughly. Everyone was adding in that legal uh, benefit where you could get like, you pay into this legal thing and you could for that year get legal assistance from some. Oh, yeah. Do you know what I'm yeah. talking about? Yep. So that was real popular at the time. Like everyone's adding this in and that was so exciting. Like, oh, yes, that's such a great whatever. And that really wasn't that great because the lawyers who were part of that were... It was mostly pro bono, wasn't it? it was, I mean, so I think I most recently I've seen things like pet insurance, you know, being yeah, added. Yeah, pet insurance is, is a big one. Is a, is a newer one. Is that super creative? I don't know. And then perks. So perks. Uh, flexible work schedules. Um, flexible work locations. Flexible work locations. Is that super creative though? No. No. Maybe I'm maybe I'm being nitpicky about the words, but they get creative. I haven't seen that big of a change 
in what's being offered. Um, now, I'm not going to lie. Like, I like the perks when my company makes some deal with maybe it's a car rental company and I can get, you know, half off a weekend rental by saying I work for this company. Right. Like, that's cool. But, but that's been around for a long time. But that's like, so the it's the creative that's getting me. Yeah. I haven't seen yeah. Yeah. anything. So I got it. I would like to challenge uh, benefits departments out there to, to be creative. Yeah. And to your point, like if you have to do it at a net uh, zero cost, okay. Um, Cause to your point about the, the 401k, what I've heard or read even recently uh, this year, gosh, probably for the last couple of years actually is instead of having your guaranteed maybe 401k match, mm-hmm. it's discretionary. Yeah. I think that's with since the recession. I think that's right. become more popular is having yes. a discretionary, and maybe they do it once a year, maybe they do it twice mm-hmm. a year, and, and they get to decide up to yeah. a certain point. They get to decide. Um, that's not creative. No. But if I get some creative things and maybe a little less match, I might be okay with that. Yeah. Depending on what those creative things are. Right. I mean, right. I like my free money, so. Yeah. Who doesn't? <laughs> Who doesn't? Um, okay, so number ten. We're at the yeah. last one here. Yeah. I think we got a little bit more into this than we were expecting, yeah. actually. Okay, so for 2017, office attire and workplace culture becomes more casual. I'm giving it an A. That's absolutely true. A. I got to jump in yep. front of you on that one. Nope. Completely agree. A. I mean, the jeans. I mean, when I came out of university. Yeah. I mean, it was suit. It was, you know. Yeah. Dress shoes and so forth and so on. And now. I, when I, I could never have imagined that I would be wearing jeans to work every day. Yeah. I'm with you. I'm with you. Because when it got to, you know, like casual Friday and you could wear like dress slacks. Right, like khakis? The khakis. Oh, that was a big deal. That and then huge. it went to jeans Friday. Yeah. Ooh. Or what about when you got to pay for some charity yep. to wear jeans on a Wednesday? On a Wednesday. I mean, that was crazy, right? Oh, that was living. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wednesday and Friday jean day. Yeah. I paid my $10, so I got to wear jeans today. No, I wear jeans every day. Every day. I know. I I don't know if I I haven't told you this, but just a quick little story about uh, dressing professionally. Um, So uh, one company that I worked at, we actually had to go to a class called Projecting a Professional Image. Hmm. And uh, at the uh, company I worked at, there was... um, we, we were spread across three buildings and each group was in a different building for a different reason. And so in one of the buildings, they had to wear suits. So I went to the Projecting a Professional Image course specifically for women. They broke it out by gender. Oh, okay. And so at the, at the, uh, the first building, they had to dress at what was called a level one. And so that meant the women had to wear skirt suits. Pantsuits were not acceptable. They had to wear skirt suits, mm-hmm. and it was not a skirt and a jacket. It was a suit. Mm-hmm. And they went into great lengths how if you cannot afford to have a custom-made jacket, whatever, blah, 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 then if you buy off the rack, I don't know anybody who doesn't buy off the rack. But anyway, if you don't buy off the rack. I will tell you, if you go to Thailand, you can get suits made like in 24 <laughs> hours, and they're fabulous. They're custom-made. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, if, if I ever have a job like that again. Um, but it had to be, you, if you bought off the rack, you should actually go get it tailored to fit you. Blah, blah, blah. That was level one. Yeah. Level two could be a pantsuit. Hmm. 
It could even be a pants or skirt with a jacket. So it didn't have to be a suit. Mm. Um, and, and so on. And through all these different levels. And so if you were going to, you had to dry, dress to the highest level of the building you'd be in. So if you had a meeting in the level one building, you had to dress for a level one. Um, and so on and so forth. I, I mean, I just can't even imagine. What, what do those people who did courses like projecting a professional image, what do they do today? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so anyway, I thought that was interesting. Yeah. I'd, love to, I'd love to think about that I had to go take that class. Um, okay. 2018. Are you ready? Well, uh, we'll, we'll uh, grade what we think is going to happen. Yeah. Okay. I, I wonder uh, how many trends uh, we're going to see carry over from 2017. Yeah. Yeah. So for 2018, here, here is the prediction. Uh, this is the same guy out of uh, uh, a Forbes article uh, just this past November uh, 2017 talking about what will happen in 2018. So number one, leaders encourage more human interaction. Hmm, interesting. As we come up with more remote working, telecommuting, uh, job sharing, um, apps, the technology and less people in the workforce. Yeah. Or that, what was that uh, more uh, blended workforce that we talked about for 2017? But no, we're going to have more human interaction. All right. We'll see how that goes. I, well, I think this plays into what we were talking about, the like millennials and and the Gen Z Mm -hmm. and how they like to pal around all day long. Yeah. Right. Isn't that what, are are we, is that what we're doing? We're catering to their social needs. Yep. Um, I just to all the points you made, I I don't know that this is going to turn out to be an A in twenty eighteen. Yeah. Because of all the change, we're not accustomed to remote workers and remote whatevers. Yeah. Um. No. So I don't think we'll do a great job at this. I'm going to do like uh, I had a teacher in high school. You start the year with an A. It's yours to lose. Oh, okay. I think they're losing it. So quite honestly, let's give them an and A. They, I say they. We all are. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, number two, the next wave of learning credentials. Hmm. So, um, reading, uh, here underneath it, um, one of the most disrupted industries is education. And so there's so many more, uh, vendors offering courses, credentials, certifications, blah, blah, blah. There's all kinds of online self-directed learning. You can drive yourself to these particular things. Um, so uh, we're going to have this workforce that's driving towards more learning. I, I think, um, you know, just kind of skimming what was written here, I think, you know, it's talking about, you know, getting resisting the traditional degree due to cost and um, so forth and so on. I think that that might be true um, in certain professions. I don't know, like all professions, if I think like, attorneys right mm-hmm. you gotta have a degree you have to have a degree you have to pass the state mm-hmm. bar but i don't know that you have to have that degree to pass the bar i don't know i i, I really don't know that so i really don't know either um but i would think clearly we're not in that field yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i'm not a lawyer i don't play one on tv or on this show <laughs> on this podcast um but I think like, you know, somebody that's going to be a CPA, I think you have to have, I think there's still certain professions you're going to have to have that degree for. But I think if you're like um, a person that does like web design or coding or things like that, maybe you don't need the 
four-year university, maybe there is a coder class or yeah. coding school that's maybe a 10-month program versus four years. Mm -hmm. So I think that that's, I think that's a, a potential. I don't know that that'll catch on so big in 2018, maybe 20, by 2020, 2025, that's probably, my, I think that's my prediction if I'm looking in the crystal ball. That'll go. Um, there is so much competition in that war for talent that I agree. Not everybody can get away with not getting a degree. It's you'll, I think, lose out yeah. um, on some of those. But what I will say about this one, and I feel real strong about it, everyone should be doing this anyway. Yeah. I yeah. probably could be better at it myself, but if there's an opportunity or there's something you're interested in or there's a new um, certification that's come out, do it. Right. It doesn't hurt. Keep yourself current. Keep yourself current. Stay on top of those things. And plus, what a great way to feel good about yourself and sell yourself back to your company about right. now I've got, you know, this other thing. Or, yeah. um, you know, if even if it's going down a completely different path to learn something else, always right. be doing that. Right. So I hope that's an, I hope everyone would get an A on that yeah. one. Three for 2018. Companies focus on upskilling and retraining current workers. So read what this says here. I'll read it. Yeah. Um, it says, while the political discussion is focused on bringing manufacturing jobs back to America, the news media continues to publish articles on how automation will eliminate jobs. We should really be focused on growing skill gaps. Since the first car came off yep. the line at Ford, Automation has been a threat to skilled workers. Video killed the radio star. <laughs> I know that I'm laughing because I know that that's some kind of movie music reference that yes. you're making because yes. I've heard it before, but I don't know what it is. Mm -hmm. So, um, so this is not anything new. It might be a little bit faster pace, but if you think about World War II, when all the factories yep. really started becoming more automated mm -hmm. because of the war efforts and things like that. Yeah, they had a lot of people working. But this isn't anything new. It's not. And I think it goes back to that last one. As as an employee, don't wait for your boss to say, right. oh, we want you to learn this new skill. Don't wait for the company to say, oh, we're going to go in a different direction. Keep your eyes open. What are you interested in? What do you see happening? Um, like, for example... One going to look at colleges and things with my son, I when I would see like data science as one of like the degrees, I was mm -hmm. like, okay, this school's they get it. Like they are looking for those future degrees. Data science is still really new. It's in yeah. its infancy. It's gonna take us far and it's gonna continue to evolve. What a great area to have skills in yeah. and to have knowledge in. So I agree with you. Is automation gonna eliminate jobs? No, what it's going to do is it's going to change it. Change jobs, yep. We have to adapt. Right. And that's, I think, exciting in a lot of ways to be able to take what you already know, but transform it. Yeah. Um, number four, artificial intelligence. Oh, yikes. Becomes embedded in the workplace. True. Yeah. It's, that's I mean, it already what, has. It, it's already there. So I don't know that that's what mm -hmm. we're going to see. I think we'll see more of it. It just continues to grow. Yeah. But I don't know that that's anything new, a new trend or anything. No, I think that uh, it's back to the data science. How are we going to make sure that we have accurate data? We're going to be gathering more data. Mm -hmm. We're going to try to uh, 
whole data together so that we can make these intelligent decisions based on data. So it, Netflix and how it predicts what shows I might want to watch. Right. We already yeah. have art, artificial intelligence. Right. But now how do we take the what Netflix has done and do it in our everyday yeah. work lives and take it even a step further? Right. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, they already got an A on that one. Good right. job. Yeah. Good job. It's not even 2018. Yeah. Got an A. I know you're going to do it. Okay. Uh, five, financial and mental wellness get prioritized. So that goes back to kind of like 2017 of the wellness program. Don't you think? Yeah, I'm, I'm, all, I'm all for this. Like, uh, this makes me go, yeah, I hope this happens in 2018. I don't know what it means, but I hope it happens. But what's interesting is they focus on mental wellness, and they kind of alluded to that in the article for 2017. Yeah. I, I do see that more and more companies are focusing on mental wellness. Yeah. Um, you know, you hear about, unfortunately, the workplace violence that goes on, and it's people snapping and how to watch for it, how to predict it, yeah. what to do with it, how to help people that are right on that cusp and mm -hmm. so i think this one i hope that companies do pay attention to um i'm gonna give them an a in hopes i agree i i think that even in recent years i've seen people who are maybe dealing with like i'll call it depression um some anxiety like it is um something that's not always within their control yeah and I feel like they had people in these situations, of course, as an individual, take care of yourself, number one. Right. Um, but they've become outcasts. They've become, uh, in performance reviews, they are uh, graded harshly in certain areas for yeah. some things that were not under their control. Um, and if organizations care about that, if managers care about that, if coworkers care about that, then they're going to take care of themselves. They're yeah. going to make sure, you know, everyone will take care of themselves. So I agree. Yeah. So the financial, what do you think they're going to do about financial wellness? Like, I, um, well, you are know, they going to pay me more? <laughs> 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 no, they're going to tell you how they're going to pay you less and how to manage it better. Oh, okay. So, you know, okay. like, some, you know, like how a lot of companies have like 401k plans and they're generally administered by like big companies like a Fidelity yeah. or sure. someplace like that. I think that they'll offer more and more training like how to manage your own money because I see more and more companies putting pay at risk than yeah. your weekly paycheck or bi-weekly mm -hmm. paycheck. Um, so I hope companies do that because those organizations for eternity, they have people uh, that their whole job is to sort of represent and educate on 401k and they're, they have for years been offering their services to companies to come yeah. in and talk about these things. So I hope they do it. And myself included, but everybody should listen in on those. Go to those webinars. Go to those yeah. go to those speakers and, and hear what they have to say. There, there's. It's good to be educated about your money and not put your head in the sand and hope yeah. all will work out. But really plan for the future. Yeah. Yeah, I would highly encourage anybody listening to this podcast, if your company or organization offers those sessions, attend. It may not answer your specific questions, but it'll give you some things to think about. And then I think a lot of times, like I'll pick Fidelity, for example, they might offer one or two free, you know, sessions, with sessions other, yep. like as one-on-one -on -one just mm -hmm. to answer your very specific questions. Yeah. So please attend. Yeah. And in my experience, those, I'll call them trainers for lack of a better term. 
um, they're super knowledgeable and they usually open it up for questions. So right. ask. Right. I mean, because if you're thinking it, I guarantee yeah. others, others are thinking. Aren't. So don't be embarrassed. Like ask those questions or find somebody like me because I'll ask for you. Yeah. Because <laughs> even if I don't have that situation now, I, I yeah. want to plan for the future to know about right. it. Um, okay. Six, 20, so for 2018, employee burnout causes more turnover. So that goes back to the, the previous point, right, about the mental wellness, mm-hmm. getting prioritized. Of course. I mean, that's kind of a duh. The yeah. more employee burnout you have, of course, it's mm-hmm. going to be higher turnover. Duh. Mm-hmm. So avoid it. Yeah. The one thing that was interesting here, I'm just looking for the – I remember seeing it. Oh, um, so even outside of America – Work creep has become a major employment issue, so much so that the French government introduced legislation that gives workers, quote, the right to disconnect. Tammy. <laughs> you know, we have spoken about my love for them. I know, you love them. And they have great legislation. The worst <laughs> councils. I get it, but man, oh man. Yeah, you know, um, in fact, I was, uh, to this point, I was talking with my French colleague um, right before, well, earlier this month, and um, they said, hey, don't forget to remind the managers in the U.S. who have employees in France to not ask them to turn on their computers or check on things during the official holiday break. Yeah. It's against the law. Yeah, the right to disconnect. Yep. I, well, you know, so thinking that like um, in the United States, we have non-exempt workers. And so some organizations I know are very strict about this. Others are not. But, you know, with a non-exempt and you're paying them um, hourly, when they are, let's say, at Christmas and they turn their computer on, you have to pay them for that time. Mm-hmm. That's the right thing to do. Yeah. So tracking of time becomes an issue. So a lot of yeah. times when you have non-exempt employees and it's, you're taking your vacation, leave your computer, don't turn it, don't do yeah. anything, don't whatever, right. because now it is, there's a legal issue that yeah. we have to consider, we have yep. to be aware of. I, so here's what, now I haven't always been this way. Yeah. I have been that person who checks my email because I feel like I have to, right. like even when I'm on vacation and whatever. So I try not to do that because I will worry about my own mental health and, yeah. um, my own right to disconnect. Right. But I think it's important um, to have a plan. So whether you're a manager or an employee, take active steps to have a plan. So if you're going to go on vacation or you're taking a couple of days off at a holiday or, you know, whatever the case is, but you're not at work. Yeah. Come up with a plan. Who, uh, if, 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 uh, what's on your out of office? Is there an emergency? Who, who do they reach who out to? Yep. It doesn't have to be you. Um, as I say this, I just think, so I was off a few days recently and I put my cell phone, Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it's tough. I think sometimes at the holidays when a lot of people are off Sure. and then you just really, you know, cross your fingers that yeah. an emergency won't come up. Um, but have a plan, right? right? Like that's right. And it goes back to culture. I mean, there are themes here. It goes back right. to culture. So yeah. if, if the leader from the top down passes it down to each person, yep. you know, each people manager yep. that. No, uh, when people are on PTO, they're not working. Yeah. Do not expect yep. them to check emails. Do not expect them right. to whatever. So yep. as an employee, be, I say that like I'm a little bit, uh, 
the irony of myself not doing yeah. it all the time, but have a plan, have somebody, you know, um, offer it up. If, if someone's going out, offer it up. I, I know I, um, had a teammate, I would do that for like, okay, you're going to be out. Uh, put me on your out of office because then when I'm out, I'm putting you yep, on my exactly. out of office. Exactly. And then we'll just, you know, help yeah. each other out that way. Right. Yeah. Uh, seven workforce decisions sway consumer behavior. Workforce yeah. decisions, so people decisions sway consumer behavior. So it says here that uh, HR and talent leaders have desired a seat at the table, influencing the CEO's agenda. And now, with all the data we talked about, mm-hmm. employee data, candidate data, they can now draw the connection to revenue. Do you think that's happening? Do you think that will happen? Uh, I'm seeing um, nuggets of it, mm-hmm. but I don't think that it's there yet. I would say uh, we are in a situation, it's still in, er, in the early adopter it's phase. In, yeah, infancy. There's definitely some companies who do this, yeah. and they do it well, mm-hmm. and they've hired those data scientists, and they've hired, and it's exciting to see what they're doing and how... Um, if you watch the space of people analytics, it's amazing yeah. what is how it's changed in the last two years. Yeah. Yep. So I think that I, this one, I, I'm definitely giving them uh, an A. It's up to them to keep it. Yeah. But I think this is an exciting place. And those, I think, correlations between the, the people data and, well, you know, just measuring turnover, knowing your turnover, knowing right. the impact, right. the cost. So if you lose this person, now you have to hire somebody new. All the costs, all the costs to your company, yep, is incredible. Yep, so absolutely. if you're actually measuring that, first of all, you have to do a lot of things to get it in place so that you can measure all of those things. Mm-hmm. But then once you do, bam, amazing. Right. Yep. Um, eight companies take diversity more seriously. Okay, let's hope so. Let's hope people their heads out of their tuchuses and get with the program I and, and value the diversity that what it can bring to an organization yeah i think when people use diversity to me there's a, a couple different ways to look at it one we have to measure diversity for uh eoc reporting so that's one type and that is hard data going back to people analytics right. you can measure that and yep. you can see where you're at you can see by gender you can see by age um so get some of that in place. Like, it's going to be 2018, people. Like, that should be fairly simple to take a look at. Right. I think the other thing, and this is what you just alluded to, is hire different types of people or move people around in your organization. If they have this view of the org- this mm-hmm. I bring this up because this just happened at yeah. work, where somebody who was working, um, actually, me too. I was an internal uh, uh, transfer. Um, they, they see the business from this perspective. And now they come into a different group and it is so interesting then to get somebody else's different spin Mm -hmm. on that same thing. And so I think there's that diversity as well. Yep. Diversity in thought. There's internal diversity and there's external diversity. And I think external meaning you hire them from outside of your company, but then the internal diversity is moving from department to department to your point, Mm -hmm. going from one role to something completely different 
And it's like bringing in that fresh set of eyes to challenge, yeah. like, why do you guys do it that way? Yeah. Or why are we doing it But they're it still this? knowledgeable about the company. Right. Yeah. Yep. And can challenge the status quo. So hire diversity. Yeah. It I, makes you better. And they're, um, so again, along with our theme of people, like millennials staying for two years or whatnot, or the war for talent, there are studies that I don't have the, the articles in front of me, but there are studies that show that um, those employees who move even internally and have those different opportunities are maybe not even promotion. So I'm not even going to use the word promotion, but even just the internal moves, they're more likely to stay. But it goes back to now they're being challenged. Now they're right. being appreciated. Now they're you know being able to contribute right. in different ways. They feel valued. And so they'll stay and longer. And they'll contribute. Yep, yep. So that g- culture, war for talent, uh, millennials. Mm. Mm. We're snowballing here. Okay, number nine. The, ugh. Yikes. <laughs> the deregulation of labor laws. Yeah, that's going to be interesting. Oh, oh hmm. and I'm going to assume I'm going to I'm doing a quick scan here that okay, they're talking so, about the U.S., but I mean, even globally, yep, so as you know, let's there's... See. under the current administration. So, yes, yeah. this is U.S. based. More labor laws are being deregulated, which is costing companies money and impacting their ability to promote diversity and protect workers rights. I, I. Will it happen that fast? I don't know. I don't, he, here's my prediction. Okay. I don't think, even with the laws being deregulated, I don't think companies are stupid enough to revert back to allow things such as, like, discrimination or... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Some of the other things that are deregulated. I just don't think companies are stupid enough because we have become such a litigious society mm-hmm. that they will keep their regulations in place to protect themselves. Yeah. I, I mean, I was trying to think of something, you know, even in recent years, because back to the discussion we had about, uh, you know, saving costs. So are people doing more, have more responsibilities and mm-hmm. um, the benefits discussion? Yeah. So looking at it from a cost perspective, nothing is jumping out at me. I'd have to probably think hard about it, but nothing is jumping out at me that if there was some sort of deregulation that happens in 2018, that it would behoove the company to change their practices to save money without the risk. Because now if you think about it, most companies have risk departments, compliance departments. But get rid of those because they don't need them because of the deregulation. Think about... Like uh, an automotive company with mm-hmm. paint booths. Yeah. You know, all the the duct mm-hmm. work and everything that has to happen. Right. So you're not... All the gear. Yep. Mm-hmm. In, inhaling all of that. Yeah. You can see if that's deregulated where people are going to cut back on that. Oh, good. We don't have to buy yeah. the um, mask for people mm-hmm. to wear to breathe. I'm yeah. Nate, the, yeah. It's yeah. escaping me. but All the safety. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, goggles to protect so mm-hmm. the, you know, stuff doesn't get in their eyes. And you can just see where this could potentially lead to that. But will, so my thought is though, if you do that, that cost that you're saving, now you're increasing your risk, which I don't, I to your point, I don't know that companies will do that. I don't think companies will do it. I don't think companies are that stupid. I don't either. So I can't think of a situation where there would be a cost savings where the risk would yeah. 
not cause you pause. Right. Yep. Agree. Ew. That's a that's a yucky one to talk about. Um, number ten. <gasps> number ten. It's us, the aging workforce. <laughs> <laughs> We're not millennials. We're not Gen Z. Um, so I I'm giving this an A for sure. The workforce is aging. Yeah. Duh. That's another duh. Um, I don't know what year. I I know I've seen it. Maybe is it in here? What year? Um, there will be more. I I just saw it recently too. More. Uh, Gen Z and millennials taking over the workforce. Mm-hmm. We've got some time, so, um, I yeah, agreed. Yes, it's aging, and yeah. and it has has to be thought about. Right, but again, that has to be put into the data analytics. Yeah, you have to. Well, because it is going to be what what positions are these? Because right. I think you'll see themes right across that. Yeah, absolutely. And so plan for it. Um, gosh, I know that, um, uh, this was a, a topic that came up, um, when I previously had responsibility for, uh, HR data and I, you know, trying to pull this together and, and show it to people. And I remember having a conversation and it's, it was not a serious conversation. It was a joke conversation, but you know, around diversity, around the aging workforce and, and just taking a high level view of what it was mm-hmm. not going into too much detail but let's just at a high level is this something that we need to be cer- like concerned about right now mm-hmm. um or even if you know talking about costs if we want to do early retirement type of things like right. you know just taking a, a high level swipe at it nothing too serious um but then the conversation came up like now that we've run these reports and we know we have to shred them or we have to take action. Like, yeah. it, I mean, it was a joke, but it's, it is serious. So around diversity and around yeah. age and, you know, like, so, I mean, you have to be thoughtful about your aging workforce because now are you teetering on discrimination right. and how are you handling the data that you have? And, yes. Yep. Yeah. So we had, we had a, a little chuckle about it, but aging workforce has been in play for ever. Yeah. That's nothing new. Hopefully people do think about it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We're going to get out our crystal ball. Kim, I say we take a quick look at these. Uh, okay, so this article um, is by a different guy, and it's called The 2020 Workplace, The Future Workplace Trends You Should Know Now. Oh, boy. Okay, so Kim. our crystal ball. We're, we're looking into the future. Um, and so th- they reference a, a Forrester survey that says 47% of executives interviewed believe that by 2020, technology will have an impact on more than half of their sales as well as the future workplace trends. Only 47, shouldn't 100% of executives. Yeah, I think that, that would be 100%. <laughs> okay, so I only bring that up because I thought that was funny. Yeah. Um, okay, so uh, we're currently in a digital transformation, AI, cloud, mobile, automation, um, all yeah. impacting the business. Okay, so um, if we look at... Um. Uh, the future. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, number one, death of the office, dream or reality? Reality. By twenty twenty. So we're yes. That's two years away. Yeah. Think about the cost that it has for a company to have a building. Yeah. So it's going to be another lever for a company to pull from a cost perspective. Because when an employee is sitting at home working, 
theoretically working. You know. <laughs> um, they're not paying the lights. They're not paying for the internet connectivity, things like that. And people have their own cell phones. Companies won't. I think companies will get more towards use your own cell phone. Use your own device. Yep. Mm-hmm. And so and most everybody has a tablet or a laptop at home. And so I think that they're going to give you access that way. And they won't have to buy those company assets. They don't have to maintain properties. I absolutely, I think this is reality. I think, uh, okay. There will be a ceiling to this. There, um... 2020 in two years will the amount of remote versus in the office increase yes i i i'm a remote worker i work for a company where there we have lots of remote mm-hmm. workers um the company i came from zero yeah till this day zero mm-hmm um, so I, I did a big extreme jump there and, um, there will always be, the, I, I'm, the need is not the right word. There will always be the, uh, gosh, I'm struggling here. The thought that people need to be in the office working together Mm -hmm. and there's value there once now I've been remote for a long time. So I feel like I've figured out how do I work with people and not be in person with them. I can't swing by their desk. So how do I do that type of activity or whatever? I I, I don't think by in two years, we're going to move the dial that much. We're going to keep moving it, but I don't think it's going to be that far. I agree with you. I, I think that there will be a ceiling because I think that there will be a need for a space for people to collaborate mm-hmm. um, in person. Well, and with the millennials and Gen Z, if they're social beings. But they can go to coffee shops and do that, right? So can you imagine managers? Kim, do you, when you when you think about these things, like you just said, like, oh, well, they could go, like, they can go hang out at Starbucks and work together. I want you to think of all of the managers you've had, you mm-hmm. yourself mm-hmm. as a people manager, and you call the person like, oh, I just, oh, let me just, let me give a Joe a quick call. Um, hi, Joe. Where are you? It's super loud. Oh, I'm at Starbucks. I came to meet Susie Q, your favorite. So if Susie Q's there, I'm all in because I know she's getting her shit done. Uh, I'm here at Starbucks with Susie Q. We, we just wanted to collaborate a little. Are you like, oh, hells yeah, great job. Keep collaborating. Call you later. Yeah. Are you really? Yeah, because Susie Q's there. <laughs> Think of all the managers you've had. If you, if that was you going to Starbucks and they call you. So I, I will tell you this. I have progressed in my thinking on that. Okay. Because if I think back, let's just say six years ago, I'd have been like, what? Uh-uh. You need to be in this <laughs> office. You've got a desk right over there. Right. But coffee in the break room. But what I have learned and grown to appreciate is the flexibility that the productivity is still there. So I've 
I've opened up my thinking that as long as the output is there that is needed, yeah. I don't care. Yeah. How do we get other people there though? Because like that's the other thing. Like when I started in this job where I am a remote person, although it was uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Although it was accepted, it, people did it. It was mm-hmm. a, it was a thing. I wasn't the first one. Yeah. There were still people who struggled with it. Oh yeah. And so I think that's part of the slowness of this change. Mm-hmm. Is it's those people who used to doing the annual performance reviews. Right. <laughs> there will be some people that will never adopt this. There will be some people that will totally take advantage of it mm-hmm. and ruin it for others. Oh yeah. For companies. Yeah. Um, don't be those butt wipes that yeah. do that. I was going to say ass wipes, but <laughs> then we have to mark it with an E and for explicit. So I guess oh, I, I think decided. I already swore to Um, But don't be those people, right? Just be a good worker. Right. And I would also say that uh, go ahead and, and um, self-promote. If you are the person who wants that flexible type yeah. of thing. Yep. I know that previously I had done that and sometimes it was received well and sometimes yeah. it wasn't, yep. but you know, talk about it and say right. how you would handle situations and what the tools are that are in place. Right. Um, because there is, we have to help each other get comfortable with, yeah. with it. Yeah. Okay. Number two, succession planning for future generations. Uh, this is interesting to me. Um, because succession, nowhere in 2017 or 2018 did we talk about succession planning. We talked about a war for talent, but we didn't right. really talk about succession planning, which right. to me is a little bit of a different animal. So, but, uh, how do you how do you do that? Because think about um, like 15 years ago, 10 years ago, we started seeing them just hordes of books. Like the millennials are coming. The millennials are coming. You know, raise your rag and. Yeah. Hair on fire, millennials are coming. There's not, I'm not seeing generational information coming out, like for the future generations. Yeah. Uh, and the other thing, and you know, and you brought this up, we kind of talked about it, and, and that is around the the team focus versus the individual focus or yeah. whatever that one was. Um, I think succession planning too is going to sort of uh, have to adapt a little bit too, because with are we going to succession plan for future generations on a position like i would say right. traditionally we succession plan on on positions right or are we going to succession plan on potential or skill or adaptability like yeah if you're talking about future generations right. and so back to the ongoing learning everybody get out there and and do it i I think this one is interesting because I don't know that companies are good at su- succession planning now. There's there are some out there who are excellent and they talk about it and they and they actually put plans together that are living documents. Other companies say they do succession planning, which means they do it once a year, once every eighteen yeah. months or whatever it right. is. We both experience that. Yeah. And and then it's shelfware. And then when you go to pull it off that twelve or eighteen months later. Anyone who was on that succession plan is not there anymore because we didn't right. manage the plan. Right. We did it. Yeah. And and so if you're not good at it now, okay, don't try to be. 
think of a better way to do it. Right. Think yep. of a better way to talk. Yeah. Yep. Use all this data, all yeah. this yep. uh, people data. Use this data to figure out um, that. Um, okay, so being digital and employee-centered uh, will require a belief in the power of leveraging the latest consumer technologies. So uh, we, what was it at the beginning? 47% of executives, yeah. it should have been 100, said that you know the technology is going to impact the future. So um, preparing for the future, this is uh, the uh, look at the HR professional now in, in the future mm. for 2020. Um, one, focus on creating a great employee experience. Duh. Next. We, didn't we already talk about that? Uh, two, use an agile approach to recruit and develop employees. So agile being software development uh, methodology and thought when method, when agile came into play. So the old one was you uh, define everything, then you build everything, then you test everything. And it was a super long cycle. So agile was mm -hmm. to make it a lot quicker. So um, be agile. So come up with quick uh, processes for recruiting and developing employees. What do you think, Kim? Duh. Move on. I mean, if it's common in, sense, right? If we're in a war for talent, shouldn't you have been doing this? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. If you wait till 2020, you just lost the war. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yep. Uh, Raise the white flag. Um, three. We haven't really talked about this, but we've danced around it. Create spaces that promote culture. Yeah. Yes. I think that, that you still have to do that. And it's the culture that you want in your company um, so I think it, I think that there's maybe a balancing act here because there's a culture employees want and there's a culture that the company wants. Hmm. Look at you. So I think it's a balancing act of the culture. Yeah. And, uh, communicating yes. ab about the culture, communicating about yeah. the, the vision yeah. so that everybody's on board and expectations are set so yeah. you might have thought you wanted a skateboarding culture at work but we've set the expectations that that's too dangerous right and we are not going to skateboard right. at work so i think there's got to be that but do you think customers are curious about doing business with the company yes. because of their culture for sure i know it yeah mm -hmm. and so i think that's why it's got to be strong and it's got to be communicated yeah. because you need every employee to live and breathe and talk your culture. culture. Yep. Agreed. Okay, four. Apply a consumer marketing lens to HR. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay, so we had more fun, I think, with 2017 <laughs> than we are with 2020. Okay. Pilot chatbots. Like. Get Alexa. Take Alexa to work. Take Siri. Why... I don't know about that one. I like for recruiting, like, am I gonna ping somebody, just pop up on their website and say, Hey, I'm hiring. <laughs> I mean, it could be a 12 year old kid. Yeah. Um, I think it would be more for the, uh, well, so chatbots and for recruiting, like you could do, um, chatbots to help you find candidates, passive candidates, um, build your candidate pools, 
You could... It's called scraping the... Yep. Mm -hmm. But now you're using a chatbot because it has more intelligence than... And chatbot sounds cooler. Well, because it's going to be 2020 when we oh, have our chatbots. Okay. Okay. So All we right. need them. So I'm going to be a chatbot. Um, I also think that um, with, with the chatbots, like I think about the employee experience. Did this just say... It didn't say recruiting only. So like with employee experience, you know, right now, I think every company I've worked at, there's... 12 different places you could go to. I, I want to know um, where I would get a form uh, to change my benefits. Mm -hmm. So where do I go? Well, if I had a chat bot provided to me by my uh, company, I could just be like, hey, chat bot, go find me the qualifying uh, life event paperwork. Mm -hmm. We have that at my current employer. Mm -hmm. Nobody uses it. I get an email. Um, <laughs> I just got divorced and I want to change my name. So can you? There's more my... than that. I just got divorced from my wife and you would not believe what she. <laughs> oh, yeah, I was trying to clean it up. But, you know, I need to change my name. Can you put that in the system immediately? Because that should be top priority for everyone. Yeah. 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 Oh. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, well, maybe, though, with the new generation coming into the workplace. Will they be into chatbots? They all have Alexas, don't they? I they've had Siri for since they were three. Yeah, yeah, probably. Um, prepare for new roles in HR. Hmm. There are going to be fundamental changes in HR by the year twenty twenty. You will have to create a more personalized employee experience powered by artificial intelligence. A number of HR roles will become more specialized and personalized. What do you think? So. Is that saying that, um, how do you become more specialized when you're a generalist? <laughs> right. I, I'm just sitting here and I'm like, well, your title is generalist. <laughs> yeah. You need somebody that's going to be like employee relations, which is kind of a generalist type role. Mm-hmm. Well, and you're not going to hire more people just to have specialized generalists. <laughs> so I'm only going to specialize in talking to people. You only yeah. specialize in emailing people. I, um, hmm. I'm a little lost on this one. I'll be I, honest. Okay. So I think that for me, when I read this, it, regardless of the crazy words in there, uh, to me, it's all about that, um, data and understanding what I want to say like what success looks like. So I think it's understanding the data you have. How do you use it? How do you improve? And how do you tie it back to the business? So to me, HR has not traditionally been a data driven. Right. They become more analytical. Yeah. And they will need people to help them because their uh, strengths are typically not yeah. in, in pulling numbers together. So they'll need someone to do that. But being able to take that data and draw those conclusions yeah. It's really what that means to yeah. me. Like, even if I am a generalist and every Monday morning I do orientation, mm -hmm. okay, there should be some data associated with that task that I'm doing that I could find out, oh, it's, we do one hour every Monday morning. People mm -hmm. don't think it's enough time. Okay, we should review our program. Right. What are we missing yeah. that we're not doing in the one hour? Mm -hmm. So to me, that's how I read that. It's... That makes more sense. If it said a number of roles would become more analytical. Yeah. 
been specialized in technical. Yeah. So. Okay. Okay. It looks like our last one here is focus on oh, team. Focus on team <laughs> development, not just individual development. Yeah. Yeah, we covered that one. Yeah. All right. So, as you gaze into the future, Kim, you can decide to either be fearful or excited. I'm excited. Super excited. Because in the future, I'll get to retire. Yeah. So why wouldn't I be excited about the future? Right. Because you're going to keep learning and doing great things. Right. And being a great manager with, uh, what, what did they call it? Be creative benefits? Creative. And creative benefits and perks. and Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, Kim, this was fun. This was fun. I think we've kind of exhausted uh, the trends. So should we state the obvious? I think we should. Uh, and as we went through this, I think that things have changed and they are improving. And we are, we may not have made a lot of progress, well, according to you and I, in certain areas, but at least they're being talked about. And so hopefully we'll continue to see uh, the dial move on those things. And as we were talking through these things, whether it was 2017, 2018, or even into 2020, I think the theme for us as employees is keep your eye in the future. Don't uh, think that what's happening today is what's necessarily going to happen in the future. So look for those opportunities. Look for ways to um, continue to learn and improve yourself so that you're prepared for you know some... Uh, something exciting that's coming in mm -hmm. 2020 and, and beyond, or even next year. Um, so continue that. And then also we talked the the one thing that I, you know, went off a little bit on a tangent was around the performance, but it goes with a lot of the different topics we talked about. So as an employee, when I'm looking at this, have those conversations with your manager, with the people you work with, mm -hmm. be open about performance or how you could help somebody uh, not performance evaluation, performance elevation. How do you help somebody yeah. be better so that they also challenge you back to be better and, and keep those conversations going and be yeah. open? Yeah. Be yeah. that catalyst for change. Yeah. Did I miss anything, Kim? No, I think that, that hit it. All right. So thank you to all of our listeners. Thank you to our active military and veterans. And please stay tuned for our next episode of Cubicle Insanity.